Well, we are now in the season of Advent, which means we are well into the retail season of Christmas. As I'm sure you've seen stores, well, you know, maybe you haven't seen stores stocked in 2020. Maybe you haven't been out to, to see retail in, in a while. Uh, but, you know, we can assume uh, with Black Friday having been here and Cyber Monday coming this week, uh, that we are full out into uh, shopping mode. And it has uh, been present at home. Our four-year-old has seen the magazines of what toys are out for this season. And there is no low expectations to children's imaginations around what Christmas might bring. That list is full and it is uh, a wide variety of types of things. And the thing that really caught my attention last night was uh, we were driving to go through a drive-through to pick up some food and, and our four-year-old said, wouldn't it be great if we could decorate the moon for Christmas? As we were seeing all these nice lights at, at neighbors' houses and like, man, think about what it would take <laughs> to light up the moon uh, for Christmas. And so, uh, you know, that childlike imagination at some point gets squelched by realistic experiences, so much so uh, that we stop dreaming, we stop imagining, we stop setting our expectations high. And so in this season of, uh, of this, this Advent season and this sermon series, we're going to talk about how God moves in unexpected ways, and some of that is because our expectations get so low. So we're going to talk about what is it to pray and to actually expect that God might answer prayers. And so we are going to read from Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to read the story of, of Zachariah and Elizabeth and the announcement about the birth of John the Baptist. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once, when he was serving as priest before God, and his section was on duty, he was chosen by a lot according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter into the sanctuary of the Lord and to offer incense. Now at that time, the incense offering, uh, at the time of the offering, the whole assembly of the people were praying outside. And then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw the angel, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Zechariah. For your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And with the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know this is so? For I'm an old man and my wife is getting on in years. And the angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you do not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. 
the reading of scripture. This text starts off with giving us who we're talking about, with Zechariah and Elizabeth, and this characterization that they were righteous, blameless, and childless. And we know that there's plenty of stories in the Bible that make this point, and it's that God is not just giving blessings and great things to those who are good and only judgment and cursings to those who are evil, but the world's a little bit messier than that. And even though we know that's the case, that it's not simply easy, this kind of easy uh, blessings mean you are good and judgments mean you are bad, uh, it's not always obvious to us. When we live our experiences out in the world, when we get the raise we wanted, when we get the job opportunity, when we have blessings that come in our life, we start to feel good about ourselves, like, oh, God's blessing me. And then the other shoe falls of something bad happens, and we start wondering, did I do something wrong here? What, what's going on? Why is this happening to me? And so even though we, we can get to our, our brain spot where we say, I, I know that that's not how God works, it's sometimes hard to live that out. And so how much did Zachariah and Elizabeth trust and know their relationship with God was good? and they didn't blame God, or, or all of that. We don't know how much they might have questioned this. And we don't know how the world around them perceived them and their situation. Uh, but they were righteous and blameless, and God was going to move in their life, uh, but not just for them. And so I wanna th remind us that we are all in the midst of blessings and judgments and things that feel positive and things that feel negative. And what is it in a season of Advent to hope that life emerges in the midst of despair and darkness? Like in the year 2020, what is it to actually have hope that there might be life that brings forth from the midst of so much death, that hope can emerge from so much darkness? And so we might be righteous and blameless before God and yet wonder, what did we do to deserve this, this year? What did we do to deserve this situation? And we might uh, be in the place of Zachariah and Elizabeth. And so Zachariah has just got to go about his daily life. Life didn't stop for him. He has to continue on in the midst of his longings. And so there's a day that God's going to show up to him in a special way. And so there's this practice where the priests, because there was kind of too many priests almost, like there was, a, there was plenty of priests. So your priest grouping would have two weeks in the year in which you would have this act of service in the temple. And so it's his week, and on his week, we're kind of casting some dice and we're gonna figure out who's got what responsibility. All right, we've, it's our turn. And there's special responsibilities and there's getting closer to where God's presence is supposed to be most felt. And so uh, we're not on all the way into the Holy of Holies, but into the sanctuary, that inner sanctuary close to it. And they cast lots and the dice fall onto Zechariah to go into this holy place. And this isn't the only place where we see the casting of lots. Uh, you might remember in the book of Jonah, when the storm is going and they're like, who caused the storm to come upon us? And they cast lots and it falls on Jonah. Later in Acts, they're gonna cast lots to figure out who should replace Judas as the 12th apostle. Um, they, this practice just emerges in the biblical tradition of, of a way of discerning uh, God's will. And so they cast the dice and the, it falls on Zechariah. He's supposed to go into this holy place. 
And there's always a little bit of fear about showing up into this holy place. Uh, I like the description about the high priest going into the Holy of Holies with like a rope around him. You know, if, if something were to happen and you were knocked down dead, that they could kind of pull you out. Uh, that you don't quite know what showing up before God's presence might do. And so uh, there's a little bit of fear and hope, perhaps, in showing up into this sacred place. And he has no idea what's in store for him. He doesn't know what's in front of him. And I wonder how many of us get caught on autopilot that we're living out a regular day and we've lowered our expectations where we don't imagine what great possibility might happen that day. Where might expectations be thwarted and God might move in some powerful way? Where might my life be transformed in the midst of a regular day? And so Zechariah shows up to work and he goes into the temple. He goes into this holy place to offer incense. And at that time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people are praying outside because there's the separation spot of, you know, he as a priest gets to get closer to God in this temple structure and everyone else is on the outside praying, and they're longing for things. Then We don't know their prayers, uh, but they're praying, and they have their own stories and their own challenges. But we don't get any sort of, here's what Zachariah is thinking, here's what he's praying about, but he's going about his priestly duty. And while he's in there, something radical happens. It says in the text, Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. Uh, this is a common response to a, a kind of divine encounter. Uh, here we've got the angel of the Lord showing up. Other places it's just God or angels or, or whatever kind of divine appearance. Often there's this terrified response. And part of that fear is, is of the unknown. And what's that going to do to me? And how many of us would do well to have a little bit of that fearful, like, God, what might you do in my life? What, what might this change in me? And while God always says, do not fear, there's something healthy about that response. And there's something wonderfully spiritually healthy about God's response of wanting us to take heart and to take courage. But Zechariah becomes terrified and fear overwhelmed him. And so in the midst of his everyday struggles, uh, he is afraid and he's listening to what God might say. And the angel says, do not be afraid. Zechariah calls him by name, for your prayer has been heard. And if you've read that text, maybe you, like me, were a little bit startled because we didn't know what Zechariah's prayers were. Your prayer has been heard, and we're like, wait, I haven't heard this prayer. And maybe you know what it's like to have a prayer that you've prayed so much that you've forgotten about it almost. Like it's just so a part of your life that it's just with you. And maybe you didn't need to pray it that day, but it's just wandering with you. And there's those prayers that we have for years and years prayed, and, and yet it's just a part of our life and maybe our expectations about those prayers start to diminish. We just, we don't see that there's any possibility that that might ever be answered. And so he's, he's saying, uh, your, your prayer's been heard. And I wonder what kind of prayers you bring with you. What are the prayers you've been praying for so long that you've forgotten even to mention them today? 
What are the prayers that you need to uh, imagine again and, and set your expectations again? Maybe God might move in a new way. And so your prayers have been answered. And can you just imagine what that feels like of God showing up in your prayer time and saying, your prayer has been answered. And so, so much is said in that short little phrase. And then the angel just kind of drops a lot on Zechariah. Maybe if it had just been your prayer has been answered, maybe you'd have been wondering, well, okay, maybe I had more than one prayer. What's, which prayer has been answered? And then here's what the angel has to say. For your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice in his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people to Israel, to the Lord their God. And with the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him, and he'll turn the hearts of parents to their children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord." And I think Zachariah is a little stunned. Wait, what? Uh, that's a lot. Um, okay, so wait, you're saying I'm having a baby. Okay, check. Okay, wait, so I'm having a baby. Wait, I have to name him John. We'll see how Elizabeth feels about this, but I think she'll be okay with this arrangement. Uh, I'm going to have joy and gladness. Well, duh, I think, I think that's probably true. Many people will rejoice. Okay, okay. Um, I'm not alone in that rejoicing. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. What, what might that mean? You know, what does that mean for him? Uh, he, will, he must never drink wine or strong drink. And it's like, okay, we're taking drink orders. Okay. Uh, but it's kind of a sign of this like special religious calling. Uh, the priests or Nazarites and different kind of groups get this calling of, uh, of staying away from, from strong drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow, that's a lot. He will turn many people of Israel back to God. You're like, you're setting some high expectations for this child. And with the spirit and power of Elijah, he'll go before the Lord and he'll turn the the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to wisdom of the righteous and make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Did you get all that? That's a lot to take in. And so maybe you can understand Zechariah's place where doubt kind of emerges. And his response to all of this was, how will I know this is so? For I'm an old man and my wife is getting on in years. So like he's stuck on step one. And you can understand a little bit of the angel's like frustration in the story of like, you drop all of this about who this child will be and what he will do and how he's going to be a part of Israel's kind of salvation history of being turned to God. And you get through all of this stuff of what he's going to do and Zachariah is still back like, so wait, you're saying I'm going to have a kid. And it's also kind of the selfish end of it too, of like, it's just on what it means to me, not all of this bigger picture of what this child will do. Wait, are you sure I'm going to have a son? Your prayer has been heard. Like, what is it to be in a place where you've prayed something so long, God says, I'm going to fulfill that prayer, and we're still not even sure yet. God, you're going to have to convince me here. I've prayed this a long time. 
Are you sure this is gonna happen? And so the angel of the Lord shows up and says, your prayer has been heard, prophesies all these things, and he's like, how will I know that this is so? And I wonder how many people have given up hope that their marriage might be saved. Or how many people have given up hope that their relationship to a parent or to a child or to someone they care about might be restored? How many people have given up hope that they might have a job that's fulfilling? How many people have given up hope that they might get over that addiction, that that struggle they, they just can't seem to get past? How many people have given up hope for healing in the midst of sickness and pain? Imagine being before God and having this prayer as a part of your life and not actually being in a place where you could ever even expect it might be answered. And God shows up and says, you gotta think bigger. Your prayer has been heard. And the truth is that we are all a little bit like Zechariah with those same kind of prayer doubts and suspicions that maybe this will never be answered. And if God showed up, would we be trustful today that our prayers might be answered? Or would we be doubtful? In this year of 2020, can you imagine hope that there's a good news story on the horizon, that there's health coming, that there's positive things, that uh, instead of businesses closing, that there's a new opportunity. Like, in the midst of the darkness of the season, can we have an advent hope that light is emerging and that a new day is dawning and that Christ, uh, has, who has come, will once again come again? And so the angel kind of doesn't have time for this. It's like, can we please make some progress here? And I wonder, how well do we remember God's patience with us? And the angel replies to this question, how will I know that this is so? The angel says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to bring you good news. It's like, do we kind of get sometimes the, the outlandish way in which we ask God, are you sure? It's like, hey, do you know who I am? I brought you good news. You should be rejoicing. You should be celebrating. You should be praising God. And instead... You're doubting. How do you know this is true? Do you know who it is that we are praying to? And the angel concludes, but now because you did not believe my words, which have been fulfilled in their, will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until these things occur. Sometimes we rush in with our mouths and maybe we should be a little bit more pausing and silent. Uh, I, I, cu- I couldn't help reading this text and thinking about uh, the musical Hamilton, which made it on Disney Plus recently, and more people have, have been on it, but uh, there's a whole piece about Aaron Burr saying, uh, talk less, smile more. Uh, there's this thing in this text of, maybe you shouldn't rush into just doubting and critiquing God. Maybe you should sit with us a little bit longer. Because you didn't believe my words, you will become mute, unable to speak until these things occur. And I think that that is a little bit of a judgment and for Zechariah, but it's also a judgment for the crowd, for the people, because good news has come, and now it's a secret. Like, it's something that can't even be shared because Zechariah wasn't willing to believe in it. 
And if you remember the scene, there's a temple of people praying outside. It's not just about Zachariah and Elizabeth, but this is a child who's supposed to bring repentance for all of Israel, and supposed to bring people to God and, and make straight the way of the Lord. And so this, this child is meant to benefit Israel and all people. And Zechariah is doing a task of the priest. He's doing something for the people. And his silence means that when he goes outside, in the text Luke says, meanwhile the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay. What's taking Zechariah so long? Maybe they got a meal to go to or something, but where's Zechariah? When he did come out, though, he couldn't speak to them. And the priest was supposed to give a benediction, come back from God's presence and speak a blessing on the people. When he did come out, he couldn't speak to them, and they realized that he had seen something. Like, you could just see it on the face. Sometimes you can see it on the, the presence of someone, the prayers that they bring with them. Well, they could see something had happened in Zechariah. And he kept motioning to them, but he couldn't speak. And when his time of service ended, he went home. And that good news was a little bottled up and still waiting. Good news was coming, but we can't quite hear it yet. We can't quite believe it yet. And so there's a warning in the midst of good news to us that when God speaks and when God has good news, it matters how we respond. Uh, John's going to announce plenty. He's gonna, he's gonna have good news being shared. He's gonna call for repentance. Uh, but we are all invited into that ministry and into that good news spreading and that mission. And sometimes we don't believe good news is possible and so we stop sharing it. And if you wanna know how to be evangelistic, because sometimes you're like, well, how do I share my faith? Do you believe that God might actually transform things? If you believe God might actually transform things that you struggle with, that you are afraid of, that you are, are stuck kind of, at the, kind of in that addiction or in that broken place, if you think God might transform that spot in your life, you should want to go and share about that because it's good news. But if we don't trust good news even for our own situation, how are we going to ever share it to anybody else? And so good news is coming one way or the other. We get to be a part of that sharing or we have to sit and be silent while good news is still going to emerge. So we get to choose how we are gonna to respond to the Advent hope uh, that Christ will come again. And so how many of us are willing to trust again that God might do something new? How many of us are willing to break through the, our expectations that we've lowered about what God might do? And to be willing to pray with some courage, to hope again, to have courage, because there's pain when that doesn't happen. There's clearly pain in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life that things weren't perfect for them. But what is it to have the courage to show up into the holy place of God, to burn the incense, and to believe that God might do something new and might bring an answer to prayers? And so would you hope with me in praying as we close? God, you know the longings of all of those who worship with us, all of their hearts. Lord, we ask that you might give us courage to hope in you, courage to trust in you, courage to have faith, 
Uh, it is so much easier to stop hoping. Uh, not easier because it's good, but there's a courage that we need to trust. And Lord, I ask that you would make your announcement that you make so much to the faithful ones present in our lives. Do not fear. Lord, help us to have that spirit, one of peace, one of courage, in the midst of whatever despair or whatever broken things that we are struggling through. Help us to pray and help us to talk to you, help us to show up. Like Zachariah who showed up to, to, the, to the office, to the duty, to the responsibility he had with you. Help us to not try to disappear, not try to run away, uh, but to show up to you with hope about what you might do. Jesus, is in your name that we pray. Amen.